Because what's happening here is that this woman has been loving Jesus. Right? And that's different from doing religious activities. Now, sometimes out of love, you might do religious activities, but they're different things in and of themselves. She's been loving Jesus. It's, it's an act of extravagant worship that is outrageous and slightly embarrassing, but it's coming from a heart of extraordinary relief. She knows that Jesus has forgiven her. When you know your debt has been cancelled, it's, it, you can't, I mean, it's hard to describe the words the, the, with words. I mean, some of you here who are part of this church, you, you found your way to the church and you found your way to Jesus through literal debt. You were crippled by literal debt. You had the bailiffs at the door. You had, this, was what, this was your life. I, um, and, 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 and you've come to know the church through CAP and that amazing ministry of, of, of getting out of that. And there was a day where you became debt free. And on that day there was celebration because there was no more phone calls and there were no more knocking at the door and there was no more of this thing hanging over you. you. You entered that moment where on a physical level it just wasn't there anymore. It, it wasn't hanging over you. It no longer was dictating to you your life, your decisions and all the rest of it. The debt had been cleared. Right? Now, the gospel teaches that when we come to know Christ in this way, when we come to know Christ as Saviour, as Lord, the debt is cleared. I mean, it, and, and you know, I kind of want to say it in different language because I just feel like you, we can say it so much and it goes, oh yeah, great. No, no, you've got to hear this. The debt is cleared. So there may well be certain consequences through the way that you've lived that you've got to kind of, you've got to live with and you've got to, you've got to sometimes work through. Absolutely. But before God, when you repent of your sins through Jesus Christ, you, he cancels the debt. Right, he says it's done. He says I'm not gonna. We're not gonna talk about this anymore. There's no point confessing it anymore because I've chosen to not to remember it. Okay, so you'll be talking about this thing. And I'll be going, yeah, yeah, sorry, no, I don't know about that one because God in Christ forgives you completely, and it's a wasted conversation. Yeah, he said it was done. We did that. We did that. You've 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 turned away. Why are we? You've confessed that sin to me. I've forgiven you and cleansed you with the blood of my Son. Uh, you know, I've chosen to remove it from you as far as the east is from the west. Why are we still having this conversation? Hey, yeah, well, because I'm feeling guilty. He said, Well, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be because when God forgives you, he cleanses you. The Bible says that godly sorrow, which is what we see here in this woman, this godly, this, this mourning, the sense of, oh, the godly sorrow produces repentance, listen to this, without regret. So the, 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 the forgiveness is so extraordinary that even though given another chance, you, you, know, you say, oh, well, I wouldn't do that stupid thing again. Actually, there's something about you that there's the forgiveness is so, you look back and you go, God's even used that. Like God has so God has so worked in me through this ridiculous, crazy journey I've been on, and now He's forgiven me. That actually I can even see now how He's kind of worked in me through those mistakes and actually even wants to use me now to help others. God, you've just written redemption over the whole thing. And you go, Oh my goodness. So so I haven't got to sort of drag around this guilt and this shame and this kind No, you don't. Because, because you've come to Jesus. Now, here's a really, really important thing I want you to know. It's not, it's not, what I'm not preaching and what I'm not teaching is sin doesn't matter. See, Jesus didn't say to this woman, come on up, you get, don't be all right, come on. I've got to do that. He doesn't do that. 
Jesus allows her to, whether she's actually mourning her sin for the first time or whether she's just coming with immense relief and gratitude because he, he, he forgave her. Another. I don't know. I mean, who knows? But she's coming. And, and, and Jesus doesn't say, you haven't got to do that. Actually, no, you do have to mourn your sin. If you don't mourn your sin, you won't repent of it. And sometimes your wound can be healed too lightly where you don't really repent. You say, oh, sorry, Lord, but it's not, it's not this. This is, oh, your heart's broken. Because you realise you've offended God and you've hurt others or whatever else. And you mourn your sin. And you weep at the feet of Jesus. And, 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 and you know what? He doesn't stop you. Why? Because through this process, he is bringing you somewhere completely different. He's bringing you there. So he do, Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't um, create that scenario where we end up just being superficial people. Casual. He creates a scenario where you become a deeply relieved extravagant worshipper where you go you've really forgiven me entirely I am now free I mean it's just why this is the gospel folks it's why we sing this is this is why we where we have joy and peace this is this is this is how it works it's absolutely stunning and here's the weird, you might, here's the weird thing you might be sitting here and you might be saying but you don't know what I've done and I will I will dare to say this to you in the name of Jesus where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And it could just be that when you mourn and repent your sin, you will find yourself loving Jesus more than someone who got forgiven for less. Sorry, folks. I'm not even going to try and justify that. It is what it is. If you've blown it big time, you may end up loving Jesus more than the person who didn't. <laughs> I love these silences. Oh, what? Because if you start, if you're the kind of person who's never really messed it up big time, when you start getting angry at this point, that's probably quite helpful. In the sense that it's putting a mirror up to you, and it's it's beginning to shine on some strands of self righteousness. Where you start thinking, but I thought in some way. How does that work? The gospel, there is no room for self-righteousness in the gospel. It completely pulls that rug out. Uh, this place, this gathering, uh, is, not, is not a gathering of the great and the good. Okay? It's a gathering of the rotters. All right? we, have, we have found grace in Jesus Christ. He's made us brand new. We're saints now. Yeah, but it's all by his grace. Okay? There's still a sense that it's the gathering of the rotters in that sense, right? He's done an amazing thing, and we're a grateful people. Um, this, isn't, this isn't a society for the respectable, okay? We, are, we, have, we, have, we have wept our tears at the cross. We have acknowledged our sin. We are no longer trying to defend and justify ourselves. We're no longer looking on at others thinking that we're better than them. We're probably worse, okay? Um, this, is the, this is the church, this is what the church is. So Jesus says, you're right. You're right, Simon. And at this point, Simon's going, everything he's ever thought is being <laughs> messed with. Big time. Because the foundation is self-righteousness. And unless Jesus whacks it with the hammer of his word, this man's not getting saved. This man's going to trundle on in life thinking he is, the, he is the spiritual man. And he will find out on the great day that he is the very opposite. And Jesus said, we just got to whack that from under your feet so you can get saved. Let's look at what Jesus says. Verse 44. 
Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. She's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. They're forgiven. She loved much. But he who is forgiven, little, loves little. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. He's either telling her for the first time or he's reinforcing the fact. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now, what he's doing is he's shining a light on Simon and he's saying, Simon, you've essentially invited me here to assess me. You've not received me. You've been spending your time assessing me. This guy, am I really a prophet? I'm being ass- Jesus knows when he's being assessed. If you're here and you're assessing Jesus, he knows you're assessing him. And we tell you he's not one to be assessed. He's not to be assessed. It's good to ask genuine heartfelt questions about this Jesus and work out who he is before you give your life to him. But you've got to, you've got to realize that you only get so far when you assess the king of glory. It doesn't work. There comes a point where you have to bow the knee. There comes a point where you go, okay. And he's saying, Simon, what sort of welcome was it that you gave me? And yet look at her. Look at her. And here's the thing, folks. When your sins are forgiven, you see, what we, we say things like this. Listen, when your sins are forgiven, you don't need to spend your life trying to atone for what you've done wrong. It's an insult, really. You spend your life, you say, I'm doing this, I'll, I'll go on the rotor at church. Because, you know, I did some really bad stuff in my past. <laughs> maybe that will kind of, I don't know, you know maybe, that will, maybe that will swing it. It's an insult to the cross. You're trying to add something. No, Jesus has done it, okay? Then some people get worried and they say, yeah, but if we just live like that, what, what will we end up? What, if we just let Jesus really, truly forgive our sins, but, but we're not trying to pay it back in some way, what sort of lives will we end up living? Well, probably similar to this woman. If you let it get into you, if you, let it, if you really let the forgiveness and grace of God in Christ Jesus get into you, if you let it get into you that the price for your sins was paid at the cross, if you let it get into you that he did that willingly for you out of love, if you really let that get into your soul, you will weep tears of repentance, tears of joy, tears of wonder. You, you will pour your best ointment on the feet of Jesus. You will pour your life, you will give your life to him. You will love his kingdom. You will love his people. You will love his purpose. You will will because the the grace of God has truly been allowed to work it's very depth in the soul of who you are this is what happens this is how it works was if you're so busy trying to what what have I got to do and you're not you're not allowing just the grace of God to wash over you then what can happen is some half-baked kind of thing where you don't know the joy and wonder of grace but you get busy for God let me tell you folks it's a bad place to be it's a horrible place to be you're really on your best behaviour, so you're not enjoying the passing pleasures of sin anymore. You're trying to be godly. That, without the joy, the grace and the forgiveness of God, that makes for a pretty sad life. Because you don't get the passing pleasures of sin, you don't get the joy forevermore in the presence of God, you just become grumpy. And no one really wants to be around you too much. Because you're judgmental. Because why aren't you trying as hard as me? Aren't you as busy as me? 
everyone kind of feels a bit funny around you. No one invites you to parties. let the grace of God get into you so the joy starts flowing and then you find yourself living for Christ in ways you never could have done out of the old way there's an energy there's a, the, the Bible talks about grace in two ways number one the grace of God is the unmerited favour of God where you just get let off the hook God's done it all and welcomes you into his victory but the other side of the sword is that it creates this energy where out of that place you just start doing stuff for Jesus that you, you think how where is this energy coming from the grace of God and you do stuff for God that you never would have done. You see how this works? It's a lovely situation to be in. So here we go. We're getting to the end now. Then those who are at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now this is, this is a really interesting moment towards the end because you see... He said to her, your sins are forgiven. And whenever Jesus says this, people start going, hold on a minute. Who, oh, whoa. Who, who has authority to do that? Now, there tends to be two issues people have when you, with you when you get forgiven. <laughs> people know you. They know the kind of life you've lived. They know the stuff you've done wrong. They know you're not perfect. You start telling them, God's forgiven me. People want to, there's two things people have issues with. Number one is you. Number one is Je- number two is Jesus, right? So number one, it's like, who are, you, who are you to be forgiven? You know, it's that old chestnut. And that can really, you know, if it's someone's close to you or like, I don't know, family or close friends, that can really cripple you because it gets your eyes back on you, right? Instead of Jesus. And you start going, yeah, you're right. What do I think? I'm, I'm being arrogant. I'm being proud. How could I have said this? And you can get really robbed of what God was doing. See, so, so that's the first thing we've got to watch out for. People try and get your mind back on you and say, well, there's no way you can be forgiven because you've done this, this, and this. And, and you know, there's a humility in it where you have to say, well, yeah, that's true. But, you know, but there's a strength in it where you have to say, but I know what Jesus promises. That if we come to him, that he'll take our sin burden off of us and give us rest for our souls. And he's done it. You have to be able to say, he's done it, stand on it. You can't just let yourself be battered around by people's opinions of you. The second thing is, if that doesn't work, let's have some issues with Jesus. Who's Jesus to be able to do that? Who is is Jesus? I tell you, Jesus is to be able to do that. He's the Messiah. He's God's anointed one. He's the one that God's promised from right from the beginning. Genesis 3, the first promise of the Messiah. Many, many multitudes of prophetic promises throughout the Old Testament. He came and he fulfilled them all. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's God's chosen one. He's the saviour of the world. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is what he does. This is who he is. This is what he does. This is what he came to do. Who is Jesus to do this? He's the one who does this. There is no one else who does this. There's no one else who has authority to do this. There's no one else who has power to do this. There's no one else who laid down your life for you with a perfect life to enable them to do this. Only he can do it. He has done it. He invites you in. He's the one who does this. Okay? You can try and look for salvation, forgiveness, into any other name. I tell you now, you will be left wanting. You will be left disappointed. You will be left sad because only Jesus does this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So you've got to come through Jesus. But when you do, you don't regret it. You don't regret it. And so Jesus will say to you, forget all those voices. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Forget all the nonsense. You believe in me? It's saved you. It's saved you. 
go in peace. We are to live in peace. Those of us who have put our faith in Christ, we are to live in the peace of God. Because we are at peace with God. And when you're at peace with God, through the blood of Jesus, you can know the peace of God in your heart, protecting your heart and your mind. We live in a very anxious world. We get to be those who bring peace. We get to be those who make peace, who manifest peace, who smell of peace. We get to be those who are not quarrelsome, who are not looking for beef with people, who are not wrestling with people because we recognise our warfare is not against flesh and blood. But we live in the peace of God. We pray, we learn by God's grace how to love our enemies, how to pray for those who persecute us, how to bless those who curse us. We learn how to do that because of the way God has treated us in Christ Jesus. And we walk in the peace of God. That is our inheritance. That is who we are. And we have to grow in that by the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus Christ returns. This is true. This is true. And, and, and I tell you, when people ask you, what is it about you? It's only one word you need. It begins with J. <laughs> Jesus is the answer. My advice is not to say God because people interpret it in 101 ways. Tell them about Jesus. It's Jesus has done it. And then I guess people can do with that whatever they please. Some will want to know more. And some may find themselves in this place a little way down the line. I'm sure some will. Where they're weeping their tears of repentance, joy, relief. And no one is to live a life of extravagant worship for God. Amen? Amen, folks. So we're going to be enjoying these parables over the next few months, I trust. And my appeal to you is that as we gather back now and as we take the bread and the wine, as we sing our songs, let's, let's, let's draw near with our heart. Let's not be standing back assessing Jesus. Let's, let's be the woman. Because that's who we are. The reality is, you know what the reality is, there are, there are grades of sin and all of that. There are. The Bible talks about that, you know, this person's sin is greater than this. We just saw it today. But the reality is, you may have never done the outrageous thing, but the, the reality is this, is that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you've known his forgiveness washing over you, that will lead to love for Jesus. So whether, whether, you think, whether you're in the room and you think, I love him a little bit, <laughs> or whether you think you love him a lot, Let's pour out our love to him. And let's ask him to deepen our understanding of how much we've been forgiven. And deepen our affection for him. Can we do that together? Okay, why don't we stand to our feet. Andy, if you could come back there and um, I'll, let, I'll let Rich kind of guide us through, yeah?